Hey everyone, this is Chris and Sandy Benton with the Chris and Sandy Show, where we get up close and personal with great, amazing artists. And today, like every other show, as I always say, we have another great artist, um, Eddie from the Eddie T Band today, and you're going to definitely get to know him and his story and what he's all about. So, Eddie, are you here? Yes, I'm here. How are you? Doing great. And yourself? Oh, I'm hanging in there, uh, despite everything that's <laughs> that's going on in the world. But we're 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 hanging tight. We're isolated here in the in the recording studio. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're going to be isolated, that's the best place to be right now, huh? Right. They tell me to stay home, and I look at my studio and go, um, okay. <laughs> you know. yeah, you're a fun, you know, as an artist, you're like, oh, this this works. I'm I'm in my element. Right. Well, well, the way I figure it is, is with all the time that we have, you know, they canceled everybody's shows and everything. Mm-hmm. So, which, you know, mm-hmm. um, so, and uh, I look at it this way, all these artists that are online, they should probably have about two albums worth of material by the time this is yep. all over with, you know, so, but it, it, I, I'm actually in the middle of uh, producing an album for another artist. So this, oh, wow. uh, you know, um, this Can time, you, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, sure, absolutely. It's a new band. They're called Fire Creek. Um, okay. I I actually uh, uh, turned them on to uh, our label, um, but yeah. uh, they're uh, they're a really good. Uh, oh, they're like a mixture of of all kinds of country part classic rock um and it it's uh it's really fun all i'm playing i don't have to be the artist this time i just get to sit and engineer and <laughs> and produce so it's fun yeah. i just get to sit and turn buttons i don't have to be in the hot seat <laughs> and sometimes that's better oh yeah well it's the fun part about it is 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 i discover things recording other people that mm-hmm. I didn't do when I did my record. <laughs> I've already yeah. come across a few things that I pulled <laughs> off on their record going, man, I got to do mm-hmm. that next time. You know? So <laughs> that's what I love yeah. about it is it, I, I get to it, hear, you know, you know what? I get to hear cool different things is, and um, use it. What's pretty cool about that is I've noticed there are other people starting to be producers too, because like um, we interviewed um, Justine Blazer from Nashville right. mm-hmm. and she is producing other people's stuff, and this is a crazy. I guess it's sad, but reason to do this. But she had no choice. Um, right. Basically, she got tired of walking into a studio, and end up um, the guys hitting on her, and, and basically saying, "I'll do this if you do that for me." And she said, "You know what? As a woman, I just got tired of that." I was like, "You know what? I'm gonna just produce my own stuff." I'm going to learn how to do it, and then I'm going to let all the women who are tired of it, too, to come to me. Mm-hmm. And good for her. Um, some of the greatest, <laughs> some, of the, some of the best engineers I've met have been women. And, yep. um, oh, wow. Yeah, they're, unfortunately, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, in this business, women run across that a lot. Um, like in my studio, uh, mm-hmm. I produce other artists, and when I, I tell the mm-hmm. artists, I'm a small studio like Nash, like a lot of the little ones in Nashville, except we're in Michigan. And yeah. um, it's a family atmosphere mm-hmm. here. I mean, my fiance is with me. I mean, we have a little dash hound running around in the studio, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, and it wouldn't be awkward for my stepdaughter to come, you know, running through every once in a while, you know, and it's, <laughs> so it's a family atmosphere. There's none of that sort of, I just, I, 
I, I guess I have my own personal stigma uh, against the big corporate recording yeah. studios. And, you know, I, mm-hmm. I tell the artists, if you want, if you want a studio with a lobby and a secretary, that's going to charge mm. you $4,000 to do a four song EP, go ahead. You know, but, <laughs> exactly. uh, you know, you know, we, we, I try to give people the best, the best album that, that they want instead yeah. of, you know, pay me the money and then we'll just give you a sort of material, you know, that, that, you know, because just as much as the record mm-hmm. companies are looking for something new, the record companies are also getting a lot of the same thing. Yeah. And you know what mm-hmm. I mean? A lot of these artists are running to Nashville. They're paying these big studios, thousands of dollars to record them. And then mm-hmm. they, give the CD to a label and then the label says, well, I can tell you who's playing steel guitar on that. And I can tell you exactly yeah. what studio you did it in. Give me something different. Uh, Cause yeah. I heard Mike, I heard Mike Curb say at a convention one time, he goes, I can forgive a flat vocal if it's a mm. good song. And that yeah. struck mm. a chord with me because it, he made the point of, yeah, this sounds like a Nashville produced with this producer, these players, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. I have 10 of these on my desk. The the thing oh, that well. gets them is that acoustic track mm-hmm. of the, you know, some guy from, you know, the backwoods who comes in with this amazing song, but just doesn't have any way to record it. That's where I come in. I work with yeah. those type of artists, you know, and, uh, and it's starting to, we're starting to attract bigger artists that want to work here and, and, and stuff because, because of the atmosphere. It's like, it all evolves back to what you said is the women are getting a lot of that in mm. the industry. And it's sad. It's sad that, that, that has to happen. I mean, it's they're trying to find it's a bad enough. Haven. Right. And it's bad enough that they have to fight to get airplay, you know? Mm. So it's always been a man dominated industry. You know, I'm, I'm constantly watching women. Yes, yes, amazing artists and, that are getting overshadowed. You know, I mean, I mean and, a lot and of the, and and the scariest part to all that is if you when you when you do your research and I have because of course right now when you look at all the people that we've interviewed, it's been probably seventy percent, maybe even higher than that, women right. versus about twenty thirty percent men. And and what I've noticed out there. With the women, and it's funny that we're talking about all this because usually I talk about this with the women, but you know what? I never know where these shows are going to go, and I let it go. <laughs> where it right. But, but um, one thing I've noticed out there is when you do your research, there's probably twice as many women that are trying to make it as men. So then if that's true, then they're really getting less airplay because if the men are getting more airplay, but there's more women than men um, – Something's got to give. Right. Well, and the thing of it is, is they a lot of them fall in that stigma of, oh, here's the the pretty girl with the the outfit and the you know singing in the corner at you know some mm-hmm. bar on Broadway at two in the afternoon, mm-hmm. you know. And I mean, God bless them, you know. But that's not a gig for me. I you, yeah. you I I you know I want to I got bigger dreams than that and i'm sure they do too but they fall in that stigma of here's the next miranda or here's the next taylor yeah and 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 uh you know and the ones that that really stand out are you know but there's so many great songwriters so many great girls Mm -hmm. like ava ava page for instance yeah 
she's awesome. You know, great. Oh, amazing. Yeah, amazing talent. And I, I got my Ava's Army sticker on my base. You know, I play it every night cool. when we do a show. And uh, But she's a, an amazing songwriter and learning mm-hmm. her craft. You know, she writes yeah. with different people all the time, songwriting rounds and, and stuff like that. And she's really, really learning her craft. Um, and I think, you know, I think that stigma is where the, a lot of great songwriters are getting overlooked, especially mm-hmm. the women. Uh, I mean, it frustrates me when I drive down the road and I got the local country station on and all of a sudden um, uh Miranda Lambert's first hit, what kerosene mm-hmm. that comes yeah. on. And I'm like, really, this is like 12 years old and mm-hmm. you're going to play this one mm-hmm. song. Yeah. When she's got all these other great songs, you know, that, oh, yeah. that are, are just, I mean, nobody plays baggage claim anymore. It, it, that was a great mm-hmm. honky tonk song as far as it a was. country song, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. you don't hear it anymore. And, uh, and it automatic. Just was, one me. of my favorite was all, her song "Automatic." I loved. Right. Oh, it just I brings love you that back song, to your roots. Automatic. It right. does. Right. You know, and George Straits had over fifty-four number one singles, and the only one I ever hear mm-hmm. played on the radio is "Do You Love Me." You know, which is a great <laughs> yeah. song, but I mean, he, yeah, they call him the. Right. You know, they. You know, they call him the king of number one hits for a reason. And there's so many Mm -hmm. other songs to play, but they stick to the same pattern. And that's why, Mm -hmm. you know, programs like yours and and the Internet has helped people reach out to new artists such as myself and Mm -hmm. and other people, you know, and that's why it's such a valuable resource. We appreciate you being on the show. And as as we get started a little bit into your story some, um, tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and some hobbies you like to do outside of music. Because I always like to start with some things that kind of people, because people never get to know the person. I want to know the person. Right. Well, I I grew up in Davison, Michigan. Uh, I I don't even know what our population is. Maybe four or five thousand. Um, it's a but it is a small town and um, big you know big strong community feel and. Uh, I uh, I grew up listening to everything. I mean, my mom was constantly playing Loretta Lynn or Mo Bandy or Joe Stampley oh, wow. and, and mm-hmm. Waylon Jennings. And and then my sister was into, you know, the rock side where I, mm-hmm. I, I got my rock influences from. And, but, oh, wow. uh, and I grew up, I grew up as your, you know, average, I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't, I live in the suburbs, but I have, you know, five and a half acres. And so I was constant. My hobbies are, you know, riding dirt bikes. And I was a big BMX racer before I got into music. Um, I was one of the BMX freestylers. Oh, okay. I went into freestyle after I I raced for a while, but I got sick of being run over by the pros. So I ended up building a half pipe (laughs) out in the backyard and uh, spent my summer spent my summers riding on the ramp and listening to Oingo yep. Boingo and, and stuff like that. And really, it's so weird that I ended up playing country music because <laughs> I had so many rock influences and I liked everything from ska to rock to Buddy Rich <laughs> to you know big band stuff back to country mm-hmm. and but yep. uh, country was always in my roots. But yeah, I mean, I I grew up in, I was your average kid, your average teenager, you know, played in a, 
played in a band at the talent show and, you know, and, and, uh, but, uh, yeah, my hobbies are, you know, I, I like to ride motocross bikes and, and I love to be, I, I still, I even thought about getting a bike the other day. I'm like, I'm going to be 50 next month and I'm thinking about getting a BMX bike, you know, but you know, you're only as old as you I've feel like. I've, <laughs> I, I've, you know, I've thought about that and I'm like, I had a, I got a friend of mine who we used to ride the bicycles together. We did all the flat land stuff and the ramp stuff. We did both. And right. um, he bought a bike about five years. He's the same age as me, 48. And he bought a bike, I think, five years ago, five, six years ago, to play around with, you know, just to bring back old right. memories. And, and, right. he, and he, he fell and broke it, never broke a bone in his body and all the crazy <laughs> stuff that we did back in, the, back in the day when we were teenagers. And then right. he goes and falls one time. And falls on right. the arm just right and breaks it. <laughs> well, in the cost, in the cost of them bikes too. I mean, I had your, you know, the your chrome molly frame that weighed three ounces, and it was like eight hundred dollars just for the frame, and and then you invest all this money, and then then I started playing music, and then it's like wow, uh, a Skyway rim for my my bike is like you know, $200 and this crash symbol is $300. And suddenly the price of music and BMXing, you know, and the same thing with the injuries, knowing my luck, the, the label say, all right, you're going on tour or opening for Kenny Chesney. And then I'd fall and break my arm, you know, it would just be, you know, <laughs> it would just be that, that sort of thing. And I think that so. when you got, when you get to a certain point in, in your career, your record label actually won't let you do stupid too crazy stuff like that. It's, right. It's a gift right. that they're gone track. You know? Right, right. TJ and Joe would probably be screaming at me, get off that bike. <laughs> and TJ and Joe, they're awesome. I love them. Yes, they oh, are. Oh, they are. Awesome. I love them yeah. to death. Yep. Yep. They've taken really good care of us. It's what we've been going on. Well, we're going on our, I think, our fourth year with them. So well, I, 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 I love, love I love being on their label. So when you look back at your life and your career so far in music, what are some moments where you're like, wow, I actually got to do that? What were some great moments? Oh, well, um, a handful of them probably would be the national acts that I was lucky. When I started out, I I didn't get serious into music till I was like 16. And then mm-hmm. at 18 years old, we had a band. I was playing drums, sitting sideways, doing mm-hmm. the Phil Collins thing, and I was lead singing at the time. And and at 18, we were packing 2,500 people into a hall, and you know we were making mm-hmm. two, three thousand dollars a night, and we thought that we were rock stars already. And then <laughs> the band, <laughs> and then the band broke up, and we all got out of high school and kind of went oh, our well. separate ways. Well. I, I jumped right from that to these older guys that were in a class A club band already had an album out. They were packing all the bars every Friday and Saturday night, standing room only 18 years old. I went from that hall show experience to playing with mm. this club, a club band for almost 10 years. And oh, wow. I mean, I've, I've played with big name acts. Um, you know, I, my biggest accomplishment was I opened for Spinal Tap, the parody band, oh, cool. um, at oh, our, awesome. our at at DTE Music Theater here in Clarkston, and that was about <clears throat> twenty three thousand people 
that was probably the the biggest show Mm -hmm. that I've done. But I've done some really fun shows, too. I I Mm -hmm. played with Rodney Atkins and Colt Mm -hmm. Ford. and and, uh, So uh, looking back on it, 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 it's the albums that I've done. Um, Mm -hmm. I played on, uh, believe it or not, I'm from... Davison is a suburb right outside of Flint, Michigan, and I used to record in Flint, and I I played drums on Mark Farner from Grand Funk. I played drums on his brother's record, and hmm. so that was a that was a big accomplishment for me. And then oh, yeah. fast forward to now, one of my biggest accomplishments is um, getting my record deal with National Entertainment Weekly Records. Plus, we won Entertainer of the Year. <laughs> at the Josie Awards our first mm-hmm. year in. And, and then the second year we won the Fan Choice Awards. Oh, wow. And then uh, I teamed up with uh, Sophie Noel, and me and her did a duet called The Only One, and that one ended up winning a Duo of the Year Award. <laughs> so oh, cool. for a while there we ended up being an award band. I mean, uh, it was just, I mean, I'm not out to write music to win awards, but mm-hmm. – um, yeah. That's, you know, that's one of my, you know, it's a big accomplishment. Plus, we were a finalist in the ISSA Awards. And uh, it's just been snowballing from there. And we uh, we did some mainstream radio stuff that we, we took second place in and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's it's been just, you know, a series of accomplishments um, that, that I'm pretty proud of. I mean, Cara Diaguardi, when I was out in Los Angeles, she's a producer. And she said at the conference, she goes, you know, don't let anybody kill your dream. She says, she goes, if an an A&R person likes my verse, she goes, that gives me enough momentum to write for the next two months. And, you know, she, she had said it best as far as, you know, just, you know, don't let anybody, you know, stomp on it. And uh, because what do they know, you know, so. And, you know, people – I see it all the time. <clears throat> One of the things that I cringe at when you, you watch – I watch Facebook a lot. <clears throat> and and people have this attitude that music's nothing. They have this attitude, well, well, so-and-so should go just, just go get a real job. And I want to reach through the Facebook and just wring their little necks because, to be mm-hmm. honest with you, I, I, like I said on Facebook one time, I was like, don't tell an artist they need to get a real job because actually they have something better, a passion to live for. And that's right. something that that, <clears throat> that very few people in our country, much less the world, but especially our country, they get so brave. And again, when our kids grow up, I do want them to go to school and all that, but I think sometimes school can pull that dream, suck that dream out of them. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden, um, they just want to live this nine to life and settle for life. I've got, like I've got friends of mine that's been in <clears throat> in their careers say fifteen years now, and I'm talking doctors, lawyers, things like that, um, things that parents would be so called proud of. And right. I, and you sit down with them, and so, and not again, not all of them. There are some that are really like I love what I'm doing, but there are some you sit down with, and they're like right. miserable. And I'm like, what do you mean you're miserable? You've got it all. You've got the big house. You've got the two, three, four cars. You've got the big income. You've, you've had right. this career 15 years. What do you mean you're miserable? So well, this is not really what I wanted to do with my life. 
And then I'm like, well, what do you mean? <laughs> You've been 15 years in this, and you're just now saying that? He goes, oh, no, no, no. My parents pushed me this way. See? Right. They're, so, I, you know, and I always bring that story up in every episode. I want, if parents hear is listening, I always want them to hear that, that just because you want your child to be a doctor doesn't mean they do. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah, you can't. You, you, I mean, you can only live vicariously through your children to a point. Yeah, you know, my you daughter, my oldest daughter, my oldest daughter, she don't want to have anything to do with music. I mean, she supports <laughs> me. She, she, she loves me. She supports me. And to her, this is just something dad does. But yeah. she don't, you know, she don't, um, she never wanted, I mean, she showed an interest in it, but I would have never pushed it on her, Yeah. you know? Um, I mean, uh, yeah, that's, that's, you know, I hate it when, when someone, you know, is miserable because yeah. they got forced to do it. And then there's other people out there who are just, just cringing at a chance to be heard by mm-hmm. somebody, exactly. you know, and, yep. and, and they don't have the ability to do it. If I had to wait to record my tracks, I would go crazy. I mean, I, I've had my own, I've had my own studio for 10 years. And the only reason mm-hmm. why is because we used to record the experience that I had with the older guys. We recorded at a studio in Detroit and to get mm-hmm. a deal of $65 an hour, you had to record past midnight to 6 a.m. <laughs> so you yeah. had to drive to Detroit, which is 40 minutes away and then record. So you and, wanted to record any time you wanted Right, because, I mean, he was charging me for frivolous stuff. I mean, granted, this was 1988, yeah. and it cost me $35 yeah. to get a snare drum sound sampled. And that's when I told myself, never again, I'm going to have my own studio. And and that way, and, and I, I see musicians coming in all the time that are just, just itching to get their stuff done, and they can't, they don't yeah. have access to it. And, uh, but yeah, you know, um, yeah, I've... I don't know. And then the, the, I'm probably going to make people mad, but (laughs) not only that, it's the people that the thing that bothers me on Facebook is Mm -hmm. the fault, the false praise of that, that a lot of people, you know, I had a record producer say to me, well, you know, don't trust your family and your friends because you know, they love you and they're going to love everything that you do. And I stood up and I said, you've never met my mother. (laughs) <laughs> you know, because she'll tell me how it is. Yes, yeah, son, you need mm-hmm. to go back to the shop and rework that song. And but I see people <laughs> online all I see people online all the time that they learn three chords. You know, their first time playing guitar and they learn three chords and then they do a mm-hmm. song and they make a video of it and they're getting two million views. You know, mm-hmm. and and people are going, you you're great. And when at the time it's not so great. And they're, you know, and then you got right underneath them is a band that spent, you know, $10,000 on a five camera shot, 4K HD video, and they got 200 views, you know, it, it, that that's the thing that bothers me about social media, you know, yep, especially if you're younger, basically. Yeah, because especially if you're younger, you know, if you're an older artist, you're competing against younger artists who have a lot more <laughs> friends because they're still in school. So, yeah. So but. we talked about the highs of um, music. I'm right. one of the few that I know of that likes to flip the script. And this is the point where I flip the script on people. Um, okay. 
let's talk about some of the struggles, some of the, and, and I'm going to tell a story of an artist that I asked a question to, to kind of, and this is where I want to go with this. Um, okay. Back in 2014, we interviewed um, Allison Steele from Two Steel Girls. And I tell this story every time because this is, this is kind of the direction I'm trying to go. And I asked her what advice would she have for the up-and-coming artists because she was full-time in music at that time. And mm-hmm. she said um, her answer was, she said, this is going to sound funny coming from someone full-time if your heart will allow you to do anything outside of music then go do that and just keep music as a hobby. So, and she said, that might sound funny coming from someone who's doing this full-time, who's living off this, but let me tell you, the sacrifices we make with our bodies, the sacrifices we make with our minds, the sacrifices we have to make how we eat, we have to change how we sleep, we have to, um, <clears throat> our, our whole family has to sacrifice. Everybody pays a high price to get to where you're full-time in this. And, and and she said and she went on to say that you could have a death today in your family, but tonight you better be on that stage with that mask of happiness. You could maybe there's a song that reminds you of that death. It doesn't matter if those fans like that song. You have to play that song no matter how hard it is. So she right. so she said so before you step into this ring full time, she goes um, ask yourself. If your heart will allow, won't, won't allow you to do anything else outside of this, then go all in because that's the only way you have any shot at this type of life. And let's go there. That's kind of where I want to go with this segment. <clears throat> I want to talk about the struggles, the sacrifice. You know, because I think that's – and the reason why I bring this up in every episode, this is what makes our podcast different than everybody else's for, for the most part – is I think that your average person doesn't get this. That's why they say things like, well, just go get it. You need to get a regular job. They don't get you got a job. This is your job. You're paying a high – in fact, until you make it to a certain point, you're spending way more money than you're making, and people right. don't get that. So that's what kind of what, where I wanted to go here because it is a sacrifice for y'all. So let's go there. Well, tell us some of the struggles, the sacrifice that you have to go through as an artist. Well, first, let me say that I totally agree. I totally agree with what she said. The re- I, and I think the reason she put it that way is mentally, let's go there. Yeah. For me, I it's been such a long, you know, road of achievements and disappointments. I mean, I can recite you the Reverb Nation rejection letter word for word. Because mm-hmm. for every accomplishment, the band – and nothing against Reverb Nation. It's just they have yeah. different opportunities that you can submit to, and you get selected or you don't. And the letter, you know, it's, it's you know, we've made some tough choices and blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah but unfortunately, <laughs> you weren't selected at this time. All of yeah. us probably get 20 of those for every, you know, radio station we get on. You know, and it's mentally, it's for me, it's a constant state of, are we there yet? Mm -hmm. You know, when I think about (laughs) making it big, when I think about Mm -hmm. making it big, I want to get up in the morning and go in my recording studio and write a song to make money instead of getting up at four in the morning, putting on my work boots and my car heart Mm -hmm. and starting a cold truck 
and scraping the snow off it just so I can drive to an apartment complex and work maintenance all day shoveling their sidewalk. And it's a yeah. constant state of it's a constant state of when have I to me making it big is if I have some moderate success to where my house is paid off and I can make a living just making music and mm-hmm. it, that's it. I'm happy. I'm a happy man. And success is different for every different artist. You um yeah. I've known artists that have the potential to be just superstars, but you talk to them and they go, well, I think I'll travel the world first. And I used to admire that going, wow, man, how can you just stop when you should be, it's a constant state of, I got to put the work in. And and you know something, I love where you're going with that because let's take, for instance, Gabby Barrett, um, who's one of the top female artists right now. She was number three on idol and she's really, they have, now, granted, Warner's pushed some money behind her now, so she's right. getting all the airplay and all that with the song. I hope we love that song. But right, good for her. Like her, she's she's like eighteen, and it might be nine, I think she's nine, either nineteen or twenty now. Um, right. But as far as I know, she, I know she was homeschooled her last ten years of schooling, and she went straight into music without the college thing. And so many people would put that down, but they don't get right. it when this is in your blood. And you've got that momentum. You cannot stop. Because you may, yeah, let's say that, okay, she goes to college. Well, guess what? Four years from now, six years from now, she may never see this moment again. Right. I mean, there are many people that that they're in that full momentum, and then for some reason, they back away, and they never have a comeback. She's got a, she's chasing this crazy dream that y'all chase with the music. And she's doing mm-hmm. it in a way that I think is honorable, whether she's in college or not. And I, res- and, and I so love that she's doing that. And, and what you were just saying about the whole that people want to travel the world before they do, their, do any of this, well, if you've got any momentum, you're crazy. Right. Right. Well, you know, and the the thing of it is, is I, you know, I always wanted to like take a picture of a guitar and then put a caption on it that says, you know, be careful when you, when you, I mean, it's kind of stark, you know, like, like, like she said, you know, do it as a hobby if you can, because, you know, sometimes I look at a guitar and I think to myself, I do know musicians who have given up tire life for that mm-hmm. instrument. Yep. And some of them, some of them are great. Didn't get the opportunity. Some of them weren't all that great and didn't get, didn't get the opportunity. And then some yeah. of them felt like the world owed them something. And the thing of it is, is I think what she meant by the things that they put their body through and what we put our minds through. I mean, when you see them big stars in the marinas, they have a 30-man union crew that's hanging, yep. hanging the lights and, and hauling the drums. And No, not in the indie world. In the indie world, you, <laughs> you're loading that drum kit yourself. Yeah, so not only did you put, right, so not only did you put on that four-hour performance to a bunch of people that are kind of half listening, unless you got something hot, that they're, mm-hmm. you know, I, or you may have a great night, but he, even, even the great nights are more tiring because you yeah. had a great night. You walk off stage, you want to mingle with people, but you can't, you got to wrap up cords. You got to put the drums in the truck. You got to put the amps in the truck. Then you got to mm-hmm. usually drive 40 minutes, 40 minutes to an hour 
back home and then unload the truck because if you're in a state like mine, you can't leave the truck in 20-degree weather. you got to unload the equipment at 3 o'clock mm-hmm. in the morning. And it's a toll on your body, and it's a toll on your you, – you start asking yourself, did I, am I doing this for the right reasons? You know? Mm-hmm. I mean, Bon Jovi is my mentor. He's my mentor. I mean, I follow everything he does, the way that he speaks, he does his interviews, mm-hmm. everything, the way he conducts himself on stage. And he said that when he was a teenager, the first thing he realized is, I got to get out of my cover band. I'm not telling anybody not to do covers because we all have to do them. But the point that he was making was the only way to get on this side of the fence is to write great songs. You have to write your own stuff. And I see all these people online that are just doing covers and, and they're, they're doing like releases, like, Oh, my new release is next week. And, and it's a, you know, it's a, it's a Miranda Lambert song. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. You know, there's all these sacred and what she meant, you know, like the sacrifices I'm in this studio, like right now I'm producing this record. I'm in this studio mm-hmm. between, you know, 12 and 16 hours, you know, my mm-hmm. fiance comes in and says, you know, come eat, you know, all right. And then, and then back at it. But to me, it's a, the mental state is a constant state of, did I put enough work in today? Is this song yeah. going to work? Is this one going to mm-hmm. get the attention of radio? Is this going to, you know, it's a constant state of where, and especially wherever you want to be. I love meeting musicians who are like, well, yeah, I write, I write songs and I hope they go somewhere. And then the next thing you know, two months later, you're seeing them on, you know, you're seeing them on a billboard somewhere going, wow, that person didn't even want to be famous. You know, and that's so sad yeah. Because the people, you know, because I think sometimes the, and I know that people say just stay part time. I think sometimes, though, the part timers or the hobbyists actually right. hurt the people that's all in. Because then you got a gig, and this person, the, 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 they're working a deal out with the artist, and the artist says, I'll do it for free. Right. Well, they just screwed everybody that's all in. Right. Because now that venue is. They're, they're, when you, when all of a sudden you, as an artist that's trying to actually make it, goes to them and says, "Hey, my my fee is a thousand or two thousand or whatever it is." Right. Are you kidding me? This this guy down the road to do it for free, or this well, guy we got up the a road guy, to do it for one hundred dollars? You know? Right. We got a guy here. We we got a guy here in our area. Like you said, I won't mention any names, but we got a guy here in our area that'll play acoustically by himself. But he also mm-hmm. is the front man of a country band. So what he does is he goes in and, and says, hey, you know, I'll, I, he goes to a national gig and says, hey, I'll, I'll open the show for, you know, 100 bucks, plays acoustically. <laughs> and then they're like, wow, he did a pretty good job. You know, we only had to pay him 100 bucks or if they had to pay him at all. And then yeah. what he does is goes back to the promoter and says, you know, I got my, here's, here's a CD and my full band. And then, you know, two mm. months later, you see his band open in for another national, you know, <laughs> and, and, and I think, I think that goes back to the internet stuff too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doc Holliday said a while back, I'm, he, that he was putting a A&R team out on the street. I commented, mm-hmm. great. And people are like, what do you mean? You, what do you mean you want A&R? You can do it yourself. And I'm like, yeah, but the A&R people were the ones that found the legends. 
And I yeah. think there needs to be, I think there ne- in the indie world, there needs to be some policing. Mm-hmm. And I know, like I said, I'm going to make people mad at me, but there needs to be policing <laughs> as far as the talent structure. Yeah. Because, there, you know, where are the Bon Jovis and the Elton Johns and the Billy Joels? And where are they? You know, you got to mm-hmm. sift through 30 acoustic players that are doing all these videos at their kitchen sink to get to this great artist that I found, you know, 10, 10 keystrokes down, you know, that that's producing their own songs and, and, and putting a product out there and putting together a package. And it's a major sacrifice. I mean, like she said, you're going to spend a lot more money. Oh, absolutely. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. I tried to get, you know, I fought with band members in the past, not the band I'm with now, but band members in the past, I was, printing all the CDs and I was, mm-hmm. you know, making the CD covers. Hey, blank CDs cost money. Jewel cases cost mm-hmm. money. Glossy paper mm-hmm. costs money. Ink costs money, you know, yep. and you're doing all that. And then they show up and play and go, well, why ain't I getting a cut of the record? Well, you wanted <laughs> all your, you wanted your hundred bucks from the gig tonight, mm-hmm. you know? And then they go, well, yeah, I guess so, since I'm working for Eddie T. And I'm like, okay, here we go. You know, when it's good, it's good. But when it, you know, there's a lot of sacrifices with your family, with your friendships, with your personal relationships, you know, um, relationships with with the media, with radio stations, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and and it's a balancing act. And uh, if you really want to go for it, my advice and to you anybody have to figure that wants... out and, and you have to figure out how to do all this and be good because you've you've been solid on us talking here because right. not every artist can do what what we're doing now granted most artists right. I've interviewed they've been fine um, but right. but there are artists out there that that you know that as I go through and they've my, never experienced an interview they don't know what to say it's like there's dead air dead because again my goal of the show. Is to, is to do my best to bring out the best in that artist. I don't necessarily have an agenda. Now, some hosts might hate me for this, like you say, with your uh, with the artist right. stuff. You know, I don't really have an agenda. I mean, I, I have a, I have like a list of about ten same questions I ask everybody, but right. I give myself enough leadway to where I don't have to ask everyone. You know, because right. I want. I want the flow to go where it needs to go because there are times that we may talk about this issue with one artist, but it's a right. but then another another artist it may be most of the show is this issue. So because again, mm-hmm. my goal of the show is to bring out what's good about this artist and their story because again everybody has a different story and I love what's right. coming and out the, here it, because your story is awesome that how it's all coming together and you've been years in this and that's people, what people right. don't get is how long it can take. Right. Right. I mean, look at, <clears throat> I suggest anybody go back and look at any of the, you know, behind the music type stuff. I I'm a junkie yep. with that. I, I am constantly, I got, I got, I sit at the console, I work on the project I'm working on, but on my laptop is, you know, old episodes of like CMT and type inside fame or something. And Mm -hmm. you learn, you learn about, you know, I didn't know that, you know, do, do people actually know that Johnny Cash has 32 albums, but anybody that you talk to, 
only really <laughs> knows of Folsom Prison, Ring of Fire, yep. stuff like that, because uh, mm-hmm. those were the ones that finally brought him out to the forefront. And I started thinking, wow, yep. there's a lot of Johnny Cash music I've never heard. <laughs> and um, and so it's so it's it, it depends on where you're at with your career. I mean, ask TJ; he'll tell you. He'll be the first one to tell you. A lot of artists clam up during an interview. You can't get my, me and my band to shut up. <laughs> you know, we'll 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 do of, a two hour. And that's in, the kind of know? artists we like to have on our show is ones that'll talk. You know, because I I don't want you know I know a lot lot of shows, and again I'm not putting down other shows because they do what they do best. You know, they do these right. fifteen and twenty minute segments, but they do it good. Right. I'm right. not that show. I don't. Right. I feel like if I do a fifteen minute show, I cheated the artist. How I feel, uh, right. you know. That's why I don't. That's why I don't do two, three, and four artists back to back to back to back. Because then I'm cheating the other one. Well, and not, well, not only that, the, the news feed on Facebook is <clears throat> blasting you constantly. Check out my new single. Check out my new <clears throat> single. My video drops next week. Blah 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 blah. And it's everything that all of us artists have to do. Okay, yep. but. But that same artist that's been blasting me on the news feed goes on a podcast and, and says, yeah, you can check us out at here, 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 and here. And that's it? That's it. You know, what's and, the story? And, and, you got a great song. What, what's behind yeah. the song, you know? You know see, we'll be what, what's your backstory? And you know what? That is the perfect – I love it when it works out this way because we're going to go into your – you know, we're going to take a small break. And then we're okay. going to play your song, and then we can talk about the backstory of that song. How's that? All right. Sounds great. Hey, everyone. We have partnered with another great podcast called The Sports Guys Podcast. You can find them over at thesportsguyspodcast.com. The Sports Guys Podcast is a sports and country music podcast hosted by Brandon, Nick, and Andy. They cover sports on a state, regional, and national level with many of the biggest names in the sports industry. The Sports Guys also host a Backstage Pass music segment where they go behind the scenes and talk with some of the biggest artists in country music, everything from Texas country, Americana, as well as Nashville artists. The Backstage Pass provides a more in-depth look at the musicians' rise in music as they talk about their career and tell stories about their music to share with their fans. Many of the same guests will be appearing on our show as well. Again, you can find them over at thesportsguyspodcast.com. It's a grand slam of sports and music. Please go over and check them out. Are you a business owner who needs capital to grow your business or you're in a tight pinch? With our simple and fast process, we can get you the money you need in under a week. When banks can't help, we usually can. Go to obtainbusinesscapital.com. That's obtainbusinesscapital.com and get pre-approved today.
that man, he sure loved you. And he's the reason that I turned out like I did. He went and made a man out of some snot-nosed little kid. He taught me how to live a love and he taught me how to cry. Now he's in here Teaching angels how to fly A summer afternoon With the tigers on TV That was my whole world The old man and me don't think for a second that he's not here. And just when I need it the most, he whispers in my ear that he's the reason that I turned out like a did. And to be strong is just something you're born with. Taught me how to live and love and to always ask why. And now he's in here teaching angels how to fly. Angels, how to fly. Really great song. So what inspired that? Thank you. Talk about that a little bit. Oh, that would be inspired by the greatest man I knew, my dad. Yeah, he uh, he uh, taught me everything I knew. And the the mm-hmm. coolest part about the story is we were total opposites. <laughs> he he was a you know he was a greaser from the fifties and he was a you know general you know strict GM union man and in mm-hmm. military and and uh, I was the I was the long haired rocker son that he had and and but the 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 clincher of the story is the fact that 
me and him always had a common ground when it come to building and like he taught me everything I knew about uh, mm-hmm. framing a house and, and, and roofing and siding and, and electrical sure. and, and all that. But he only had an eighth grade education. And oh, wow. uh, he was the smartest he was the smartest guy I knew and we were total opposites, but he supported everything I did. You know, um, he paid for trips to me to, for me to go to Los Angeles to go to music conventions to learn the business and, and you know, but but he, he couldn't couldn't play three chords on the guitar, you know, but I don't know where I got my musical ability from, but, you know, he tried to encourage me to do other things, but he always knew that, you know, he would surprise, like he surprised me one time. I found this drum kit in the music store and, and I begged him to go look at it, you know, and he's like, well, you know, I'm just going to go look. And so we go to the, the, the music store and we look at it, you know, and, and, uh, and he, of course, he makes me go through the whole process. You know, we leave. He's like, I told you I was just coming to look. And then I came home one day from school and he had $1,200 cash laid out on the table. I'm like, what is this all about? He says, come on, we're going for a drive. And then he walked me in the music store and bought that drum kit for me. And so that's what I mean. It was like, we were, we were total opposites. We didn't see eye to eye on a lot of things, but we did see Mm -hmm. eye to eye on my dream. And he was my biggest fan. And he passed away in 2009. And um, the last two years of his life, I almost contemplated switching from being a musician to being a respiratory therapist. Uh, Cause oh, I could wow. probably go in, I could probably go in a hospital right now and help out with a ventilator because mm-hmm. I took care of him for two years at home on a vent and we used to change his trach and, and, and I adjust, you know, he, he would only calm down when I would come in the room and I knew how to give him a boost and adjust his numbers mm-hmm. and clean hoses. And it was no quality of life. I'll tell you, because we, you know, hauling him in the car and I had to carry, Oxygen, extra oxygen bottles and backup batteries and the wheelchair mm-hmm. and the whole spiel. And, and then you find out how cruel people can be in the world when you're, you're trying to take yeah. care of somebody like that and be mobile. And, uh, you know, so for the strongest man and the smartest man that I ever knew to, to whittle down to, you know, being, you know, 90 pounds and, and on a ventilator, it was like when he finally died, Mm-hmm. It was like, it was like it, it rocked the whole floor of the hospital because the nurses were just in love with him and his, his charisma and his, you know, his attitude. He joked around even in mm-hmm. a, with even on a vent, he joked around with him and stuff. So, oh wow! But uh, you know, so when he finally when he finally died, it w- it was a relief for me, and to me, it still sounds morbid to say, but it was a relief for mm-hmm. me, not for me. But for yeah, the fact for that him. he wasn't chained to that machine anymore, yeah, you know, exactly. he had a quality of life. He, he's, you know, he's, he's, and that's, and that's why I wrote the song. When it came to me, I thought, you know, my dad was always one of those guys that walked into a room and said, no, nah, you're doing it all wrong. Let me see it. Come here. <laughs> well, I could see him doing that when he gets to heaven. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm here. <laughs> like, hey, you get over here. You, and, know, um, you get over there. You're doing it all wrong. Let me show you how to do, you know. So, and I thought it was kind of tongue in cheek. You know, he's up there teaching angels how to fly because, and then it also resonated with my family because I'm the only boy. I got two, you know, my oldest sister passed away, but me and my middle sister and, and 
I'm the only boy. I was the youngest. And it hit me when we released the song, it hit me. I thought, man, it's almost like he was teaching my sisters, you know, it it could, that's the beauty part of the song is Mm -hmm. all the wonderful comments that I've gotten from people who have heard the song and who said, thank you for, you know, this reminds me of my dad or my grandpa. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't have to be about your dad. It doesn't have to be about your mom. Everybody's got that one. Right. No matter how bad the situation is, everybody's got that one person in their life who motivated them, inspired them. It could be a teacher. It could be an uncle. Your your adult was agreeing with you. Yeah. (laughs) That's the studio. That's the studio dash hound. The studio dog. uh, (laughs) Right, right. But, oh, yeah, he's got to be by my side when I'm in here mixing, but he just ran next door. But, yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to be anybody, anything. It could be a quote. You you could have read a quote somewhere, and it moved you, and that's what inspired Mm -hmm. you to, you know. And uh, so that song's kind of dedicated to anybody that had that one person in their life. Um, You know, I mean, the the other important person is my, my life is, you know, my music teacher in fifth grade, <laughs> you know, if it wasn't for <laughs> her showing an interest and in letting me play the percussion instruments, it probably wouldn't have happened. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, so that song's, that song's basically dedicated to anybody who, you know, has that one person in their life that, that made them go, okay, I'm going to do it this way. You know? Yeah. Cause you know, and that's like when my wife and I first married. We've been married now 17 years. Right. And when we first married, um, I was one of these people that was big in the audio. Audio, so I liked music, but I wasn't a right. lover of music. I was one of these people that believed that when you, um, if you're driving, you should be listening to motivational audio, or you weren't serious about your business. That was my belief. Right. I marry someone who's this hardcore country fan and, and she's she likes all music but especially country. But right. but she but she's like this hardcore, right? She had to listen to music twenty four hours a day. So we get right. married and we both realize real quick something's gotta change. <laughs> <laughs> so so we made a de- agreement that we'll listen to fifty percent audio stuff for me and fifty percent music for her. It was really it was a good balance. And, right. and and, and and that changed my perspective because back then I was part of a business that pushed this ideal on you that don't that you shouldn't listen to music and I and I I, I bought into that and in fact I was I bought into it so much that I was one of these people that believed that that schools shouldn't support music I mean I was mm. all in on the other side right <laughs> so she came into my life. And I realized the power of music. I didn't realize it then. I do. I do now. But she right. kind of brainwashed me into all this country music stuff. <laughs> I always <laughs> joke that she brainwashed me into all this. And um, but she pushed it on me so much. And 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 don't get me wrong. We still listen to audio stuff. I still believe in growing your mind. But I am. But we don't listen fifty percent. So you need to so you need to compromise. You need yeah, to compromise. Exactly. You you need to trick and, her and say, "We'll watch this documentary on this country artist." <laughs> then you and, get and, your you know, talk, and, and, and it's and, you know, country music. And and we do all that too. And but yeah, she loves country music so much, and and she's kind of with our one year old right now. She's in and out sometimes. You just never know with right. one year old. Um, <laughs> but we um, but <clears throat> back in two thousand fourteen. 
2014, we started writing songs together and stuff. And I, because I was like, you know what? She's always chased the dream with me. Let's right. uh, let's find a way to help her with her dream of one day hearing her one song on the radio. And um, so so um, we wrote like 300 songs. When I say wrote, I mean lyrics. We don't, you know, we ain't figured right. out how to do the music side yet. You know, but we wrote lyrics together. We wrote 300 so- songs in one year. Well, mm. about in 2014, I was like, you know. We would never be at a partner with the big artists, so we'd have to partner with someone up and coming. That's what gave yeah. me this idea. I started adding all these people on Facebook and befriending a lot of people that that are up and coming country artists. Well, right. that's what started. Ch- then my heart started changing because then I was like, in, then instead of looking at it from a business standpoint, I was looking at, oh wow, these people are great. These man, people need to hear these people. They, mm-hmm. They're just as good as your Blake Shelton's and your Miranda's and your Carrie's. And some are better. And, 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 and I'm like, so we, so we launched New Country Buzz in 2014. And we did shut it down in 2015 for personal reasons. But before we shut it down, we got to interview Kelsey Ballerini before everybody knew her. So I always thought that was Right, cool. nice. And knowing where she is now. And, um, but, we, but back then, we did all that. Shut it down, and this is how much she brainwashed me into all this music. We shut it down because I knew it was going to be hard. I let go of the domain New Country Buzz. I didn't want, you know, I was like, if we're not going to do any of this, we're not going to do it at all. So I let go of the domain, but my piece of my heart was gone. For every six months, I'd look up that domain up, still available. Six months later, right. Still available. By the end of 2018, it was still available. And I told Sandy, I was like, you know what? A piece of me is just not here. The music stuff, I feel something missing now. Because she pushed this so much in me. <laughs> I was like, mm-hmm. I, I was like, I miss this. I miss what we were doing. I miss the vision that we had. I, I right. think we need to relaunch and finish what we started. And that was back into 2018. And, of course, that's now led to this show, the Chris and Sandy show. So, again, right. you know, we are all, you know, I, I, I hear, and I know, like we, we talked about earlier, where there's a lot of artists that kind of hurts, hurts other artists because they're, they're, they could care less if they make money and all that. Because, right. You know, they just out there doing whatever because they know that they'll never be full time with it. Well, that's, that's where right. we are. We're all in with this. I mean, you, you hear other hosts say, you know what, if I never make a dime, I don't care. I do. Right. Because this this is our career. This will, you know, we're not a career now. I mean, I guess it is a career. We just start getting paid for it. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, right. but we're all in with this. You know, and, I mean, we not there's not too many people can say they've done oh, basically 40 shows in the first quarter of a year, and we have. Right. I've been following <laughs> I've been following your guys' rise ever since you put the post up that you were putting the show back together. And uh, I think I even messaged you and said, hey, I'd love to be on the show. And that was when you were I first you getting did. started. And you had told me, sure, you know, w- you know, as soon as I get things rolling. And and then I was seeing are. all the people that you guys were interviewing. And that's great, man. I, I mean, I hope you guys have continued success with it. Because we need and, platforms you know, like this. And, and we definitely see, so need like platforms said, like this. We're all in with this, like you're all in, you know. And right. We just want, you know, I just want people to know that this ain't easy. No matter what part of music, it's just, it's really not easy. And I love when we bring on people who write songs on our show because 
that that is the that is everything country music is right. the song the story i mean i know right. that for a while the whole bro country ripped through the area and and almost went the made the industry go the wrong route but i think it's coming back to the story because if you ain't noticed right. a lot of the, even even your artists that are considered bro country are doing story songs. I was like, yes, they're changing. Instead of the industry changing for them, they're now changing back to what with the root. Well, and I remember, I think, yeah. Go ahead. And, and and I love that it's the roots, the three. You know, the you know, like like they say, a country song is the three chords and the truth. Right. The and story. I think that's what I, a fri- I think that was what. I think that's what frustrated people about the bro country because I can't I can't totally knock the bro. There's some bro country songs. That, boy, I listen to that hook and I think, yeah, yeah I wish we, I we listen that. to Cruise. You know, right. we like the song Cruise. But I love Cruise. What but I frustrates love people, but I think what frustrates people, not so much the the millennials and the teenagers because they yeah. they they dig that stuff and that's fine. Every generation's got what they're into. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I think what frustrates some of the fans, especially the fans that love substance with country mm-hmm. music or any genre. Um, yeah. I, I mean, Justin Bieber's wrote some amazing songs and people don't even know it that he was, yep. you know, behind some great songs. But the, the point I, I'm, I'm making is the fact that I think what frustrates people is when you take somebody like Luke Bryant, who can do something like uh, the song that he did? Uh, oh, I, I'm I'm sorry, I totally forget the song that he that it was one of these great ballads that he did. Not the hunting and fishing dr- one, but are you talking about the drink? Oh, and, drink, drink of beer. beer. Drink of beer. How can song. Luke Bryant go song. from drink of? How can you go from drink a beer to kick the dust up? It just it's frustrating when you hear somebody like Blake Shelton who can do God's country. He can do uh, God made. Uh, what is it? Well, anyways, a lot of these powerful songs that he had, yeah. and then come out with you know this song with Trace Atkins. I'm not even going to say the name. It just I don't understand. They're trying to write for the market, you know. And any time that you purposely try to write for the market. Unless you're doing it full time, it's hard, you know, because yeah. you got Florida and, Georgia. And, line. and if you're a up and coming, you, you you can't, you know, if you're one thing I've learned with this show, and we're different, and we know we're different. And in fact, I was called windy recently by somebody. I guess this is because I talk. <laughs> you know, we're going to have a, you know, with my guest with my guest, we're going to have a conversation. I'm not interviewing you. We are right. having a conversation, and so I'm right. going to be windy if people are going to say that. Um, but as we build this, but I don't even know where I was going. <laughs> right. See, but that's the, that's the best part about it is, is when the interviewer actually has a conversation with the guest, it leads yep. into other things. You know, I mean, exactly. going back to what the two steel girls said about, you know, the whole, the whole sacrifices and everything. This is not easy. Mm-hmm. And you can Florida Georgia line. How can you do holy, and then turn around and do something for Morgan Wallen? You know what I mean? They know how to write for the market. 
and that takes and that takes years to to perfect. I know where I was exactly where I was going while ago because I was talking about this. And um, see, people can see we're just in a conversation. If there are anybody right. listening, they know we're just in a conversation. But I, <laughs> right. but but I remember when I first started this show. I've got a friend of mine in Nashville who's done shows in the past like this. And I asked him, "What advice would you give us, Sandy and I?" He says, "There's only one piece of advice I'd give you: be authentic." He says, "Because if you're not authentic, here's what will happen." And he this, and he's right about this. He says, "If." If you put this mask on and you try to be Bobby Bones or you try to be Ty Bentley, because I look up to those two. I want to be a show like them one day. Right. But I don't want to be them. I want to be a show like right. them. And, um, but he said if, if, if you – he said let's just say you, you listen to every Bobby Bones joke and you do it and all that. So you got this mask. You are Bobby Bones, but, but you're really is Chris Benson. So all of a sudden – one day that mask is coming off, and when mm-hmm. that mask comes off, you're going to lose every audience member you got because they're fake. They're following right. the fake you. They don't know the right. real you because if you right. stay authentic, then the right, the right audience will come to you, and they will love mm-hmm. you because I can, cause everybody knows I wear my emotions on my sleeve. Anybody that knows me knows that – I could watch Hallmark and end up in tears with my wife. You right. know? And, uh, yeah, and I'm the same, that, I'm the same way. I'm, yeah, I'm the but same way. I'm not way. changing I mean, me. Right. Yeah. Right. I've <laughs> had know, producers that, you know, yeah. I, tried <laughs> exactly. to, I tried to sound like Bon Jovi one time because, you know, I, I, I was purposely singing like him and purposely writing <laughs> like him. And oh, then wow. I met, you know, I go out to Los Angeles and I got my demo in my hand and I go up to Kenny Kerner. The biggest shark in the room, the guy who produced, mm-hmm. he, he found Kiss. And mm-hmm. I call him, he's a great guy, great producer. He's, the only reason I called him a shark is because the whole room was full of record producers. And he was one yeah. of the biggest ones in the room. So I went to the biggest guy in the room. And he looked right at me and he says, well, your mix sucks. The song's okay. And if you're trying to, he goes, Bon Jovi already did this. He goes, what do you (laughs) sound like? You know? And, and that really, that really hit me because it's like, okay, you want to be like Bon Jovi. But so what I did was, is I, you got to find your own voice. And once you, you know, what does Eddie sound like instead of what does Eddie sound like singing a Jamie Johnson song? What does Eddie yeah. sound like singing a Garth Brooks song? Doesn't matter. Yeah. What does Eddie's music sound like? Because exactly. the thing of it is, you have to. You you people say, well, you know, don't put yourself in a box. Well, mm-hmm. I watched a girl out at the convention in Los Angeles go to a record producer, and she had a CD that mm-hmm. had uh, nine songs on it, and every song was a different genre. She's like, well, I want to show that I'm versatile. I, I can do R&B, I can do pop, I can do rock, I can do country, I can do jazz. Well, that's Jack great. Jack of all trades, master of none. Right, exactly. And the first thing the record company said to her was, what are you? What do you do? Okay, so you mm-hmm. have to put yourself in a box. But don't, you know, put yourself in your box. When I write a song, I write a song for, you know, if the Eddie T band's only got 10 fans, I'm writing mm-hmm. for those 10 fans. I'm not trying to write yeah. for the radio. I hear mm-hmm. stuff that I write and go, wow, this would be good on the radio. And then 
you know, and I mean, I kind of sidelined the label with Angels How to Fly because I just mm-hmm. wrote the song, recorded it, released the video, and then they're going, hey, yeah. where did that come from? You know, and, and, <laughs> and it, was, it was one of those cool moments because I wasn't trying. You know, I've said this in many different interviews, and I admire people who can do this, so that's my disclaimer. Mm-hmm. I do admire people who can do this, but I'm not one of them. I cannot yeah. say, Chris, me and you are going to go write a song Tuesday at 4 o'clock. I can't do it. You know, I, I, I write when it comes to me. If I, yeah. if I do sit down to, to schedule something, you're only going to get what just comes off the top. You know, mm-hmm. you're not going to get what the song truly could be. And I think a lot of artists, they, they write a song. I'm guilty of it. I write a song. Oh, it's good enough. And then I put it out on, you know, YouTube or something. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and some of them are anomalies where, oh, wow, we didn't even plan on doing anything with that song. And it ends up getting, you know, two million streams. And so, you know, it, it's, uh, yeah, it's, you gotta, you gotta stay true to who you are as an artist. Because I went to Los Angeles for 10 years back and mm-hmm. forth from Michigan to Los Angeles, 10 years in a row, going to these conventions, listening to A&R. Let, let, here's, here's a rookie mistake. A lot of people, mm-hmm. a lot of independent artists are distributing their stuff through CD Baby or, or whatever the case may be. Well, mm-hmm. here's, here's, talk, here's an example of not knowing your way around the business. I'm standing in the lobby yeah. of a five-star hotel in Los Angeles. This bald guy comes up to me and he talks to me and he looks at me and he goes, so what do you think of the, and this is 2007. And he says, what do you think of the internet music? What, what, what do you think about that? I looked right mm-hmm. at him and I goes, I don't see it taking off. I really oh. don't. And he goes, really? And I said, yeah. I says, I mean, it's it's a novelty, but I, I really don't see it catching on. <laughs> he goes, all right. Well, you know who that guy was? That was Derek Sivers, the president of CD Baby. Okay. So be careful. You know, if there's any advice that I can give anybody it, it, it is is do your research, uh, learn the business, you know, because if you, it's one thing to throw up a video on YouTube and say, I'm an independent artist. That's like recording in Nashville and living in Wisconsin and then advertising that you're a Nashville recording artist. Yeah. Why? Because you recorded at a studio in Nashville, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, you know, so it's like you have to, you, you have to have an identity, learn the, mm-hmm. you know, know what your brand is, you know, and know what your voice is. And it, it just seems like a lot of people are wasting time, talented people, talented singers, yep. just wasting you time know. putting videos out on, on the news feed of them doing a cover song, you know? And it's yeah. like, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier with what, what do people want to do with their career? Yeah where they want mm-hmm. it to be. You're all in. I'm all in. The guy online might just want to play guitar on a camera. You know, that's fine. Yeah. If that's what you want to do, I want to tour with Kenny Chesney. <laughs> big, you know, those big, are big my big goals. You know? and, right. And I want, know, I want to be the opener at one of Gar's three night sold out shows. Yep. And as we get, go to the last 15 minutes of this or so, we always like, like to get my son on. Where's he at? <laughs> he, 
because he always likes to ask one question. We're, we're a family business and all that. Okay. And so I see Sandy's getting them real quick. Because <laughs> he always like he always like to ask. I'm ready. To each artist. Okay. Hi, Annie. What's your favorite food? What's my favorite food? Mm. Yeah. My absolute favorite is Charlie's Philly's cheesesteak in the Atlanta uh, the Atlanta airport. Oh, wow. But other than that, spaghetti and garlic <laughs> bread. How about you? What's yours? Uh, I like pizza. Pizza? Uh, oh, he, uh, he, he all of them love pizza. Lunch. Yeah, he can eat at lunch, noon, and dinner. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. After my own okay, heart. Bye. bye. <laughs> he, he's always quick, right to the point. He asks his questions right. and he, he goes. He's quick to the point. <laughs> right, I like he that. I it. like that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, again, we like doing this. Where we run it as a family. We got a one-year-old daughter. We hope as she gets older, we'll include her in too. You know, we're doing it our way. You know. Someone asked me not long ago, would you want a Nashville deal type thing where we're on the radio and doing our show? And I don't think I would because I'd have to yeah. change. Right. Because we're doing it our way, and I couldn't do it this way. And to be honest, if I can't do it the way we're doing it, I'd probably rather not do it. Well, and that's the thing, like I, I, I was referring to me watching them old videos, some old documentaries. Mm-hmm. One one of the underlying themes in a lot of them documentaries is, is oh, this so-and-so artist, well, Nashville didn't like me. Or, mm-hmm. and, or Nashville didn't take me seriously. You know, I, Nashville's done nothing but, you know, greet me with open arms, so to speak. But... But in the meantime, you know, there's still a way of doing things. And, you know, uh, TJ tells me all the time, he says, well, you might, you might be country because you're, you might be considered country because you're up North, but you're, you're, you're a Southern rock man. <laughs> and, uh, I, I, I like what I read on that one thing. You're an outlaw country. I think that's really right. What... I like the, I like the outlaw country title, you know, and then in the documentary that I watched the most is Waylon Jennings and Nashville hated him and, and <laughs> yep. they hated Willie too. And they ended up going somewhere and Johnny else, Cash. And, you know, right, right. I mean, Columbia dropped, <laughs> I think it was Columbia. <laughs> Whatever label Johnny was on, they dropped Johnny. You just don't do that, you know, after 30 years. Whatever label it was, not to point fingers at them. But, um, so you know, it, it's like, you know, it's. I love the fact that you guys have a family-oriented show. That's the way I'm trying to operate my studio. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you guys are more than welcome. Anytime you want, come visit us at the studio. <laughs> yeah, that'd be and, awesome. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that'd be great. Maybe you could do a so mobile. So we wind down here. You know. Got a couple more questions. Um, okay. If you could, if you could co-write with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be, and what would y'all write about? Oh, I I would love to do one with Reba McIntyre. Now that would be awesome. Uh, I think Reba only sings about substance, and that's what I like. Is she she wants to every song is a story to her. And I think that would be yeah. a great collaboration. Plus, I could sing with her because it would be a duet. <laughs> and what would y'all? What would you want to write about? I mean, just an idea. 
I think with Reba, it would be, it would either be a quirky song about a relationship <laughs> or it would be a, a serious family oriented song or even something along the gospel range. Uh, that's what I like about Reba. She can, awesome. you know, she can take a she can take a, a gospel hymn and 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 I could listen to her sing all day long. So I yeah. mean, she would definitely be the one that I would want to do a collaboration with because the subject matter could go anywhere with her, and she would do it with class. Yep, exactly. So if you had a magic wand right now, and what what you're about to say would come true, the reason I and I always ask it this way because. I don't want the I just want to do music type answers. Right. I'm, I ask this in a way because I want the vision. I want where you want to go. Where and I where would you where do you want where would you be in five years? And the reason I ask this is <coughs> February the 11th of this year was the five year anniversary of me asking that same question to Kelsey Ballerini, and she's pretty much living almost to a T what she said back then. Right. So, where if you had a magic wand, it would come true. Where would you be in five years? Uh, hopefully, in five years, I plan to be settled in a very nice house in Franklin, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where we want to end up living. Uh, I oh, would love. That's awesome. Uh, I would like to be on tour with somebody like. Kenny Chesney or Garth Brooks or, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, being a national a Cody, touring musician. Or Cody Johnson, because, you know, he's going to be one of those big ones by then. Right, right, right. Cody Johnson, and I. <laughs> there, was a, there was another one from Michigan, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyways, it doesn't matter. But, yeah, yeah. that's what I, I – I hope to have some mainstream success with mm-hmm. my music on, on mainstream and Internet radio. Um. I hope that, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, just a nice, nice, modest house in Franklin with me and my fiance and my daughter and playing music for a living, touring the, you know, touring the world. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think, I think deep down inside, no matter how serious they say they are or aren't, every musician dreams of that, you know, the world tour. And then you do the tour, you come home and you're, you're settled with family and, you know, and, you know, to just have a nice modest life, being able to play music for a living. And if it gets bigger than that, great, (laughs) but I'm not (laughs) shooting for that, you know? So if you had a friend and let's say that he's got a really good tone to his voice that he could really sing, you've listened to him. He's done maybe five or ten shows so far, which, of course, now you can't do shows right now. But he's done five or ten shows. Um, right. And what advice would you give him to help guide him over the next two, three, four years? Uh, to do his research and learn the business as much as possible. Learn about streaming. Learn about your publishing. Learn about you know, your copyrights. Learn about management, promotion. Uh, labels, uh, you know, media, do as much research as you can, because the more, the more education you have on the business, the better off Mm -hmm. you're going to be when you're out there, you know, because you have to negotiate with club owners, you have to negotiate with radio stations, you have to negotiate with label heads, you need Mm -hmm. to know the business. 
you can't just rely on somebody else that, you know, the greatest advice I ever got was when I got my record label, when I got my record deal, I asked one of the artists on the label, I said, mm-hmm. what can I expect? And they said, yeah. to work harder than you ever have. Because <laughs> once you get signed, once you get signed, that's when the work begins. It's not, yeah. oh, you know, the the get rich quick package. You have to put in the work just as much as the label does. And if you're willing to yeah. do that and you're willing to do the research and get the education, you'll be a successful artist. That's really great advice. As we get to this last question to end the show on, is there any question that you wish people like us would ask but never do? (laughs) Wow. Um, I haven't had that experience. Everybody that's interviewed me has always asked great questions. And I mean, this is one of the best interviews I've had because like you said, we were having a conversation, but I can't think of a question that I would want you to ask that no one has. Um, Yeah. That, that one kind of stumps me. (laughs) To be honest with you. I love stumping people because again, we're live. So, you know, right. Right. You know, we're raw. We're live. There is no edit. It's what it is. It is. And that's right. That's what I mean. And I, I feel bad. I wish I had a clever answer, but uh, (laughs) I don't. (laughs) So as we come to a close here, tell everybody here's self-promotion time. Tell everybody how they can reach you. Okay. Well, you can find us on the eddytband.com. Uh, we're on Instagram, uh, at the Eddie T Band on Twitter. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Plus, we're on uh, iTunes and Spotify. And uh, you can find us at nationalentertainmentweekly.com. You know, and, and our Facebook really, page. Yeah. That is awesome. And with that, that's a wrap. We really loved having you on the show today. I really appreciate you guys having me. I, I, I really do. Thank you so much. And, and we look forward to six, seven, eight months, however long you do a couple of different things. We'll bring you back on and do some updates. How's that? That would be great. Hopefully I got some big things in store for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Let's, we'll talk to you real soon. All right. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye. All right. Bye. Hey, everyone. I hope you really enjoyed today's show. A little longer than most, but Eddie can talk. Really awesome guy. Go look him up. Go find his stuff. Go support him. Um, We have no show tomorrow scheduled, but then we have another show on Thursday and another show on Friday. So we will see you Thursday.